If you're afraid that somebody is $300 cheaper than you because of a coating, you're probably in the wrong industry. Understand that the code official comes in and goes, oh, you use DC-315? Rubber stamp. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Our Value. This is Travis Pancake, uh, alongside my co-host, and when I say alongside, at a computer screen across from me. How you doing, Donnie? We are doing good, Travis. The walls haven't closed in yet. Are you still uh, quarantining in your pillow fort? <laughs> no, I had to take the pillow <laughs> fort down. I just I couldn't take another night of zombie hunting with Nerf guns. Uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Well, Donnie, what are we doing today? Who are we talking to? We are talking to our longtime friends and partners to IDI and myself personally, the boys from International Fireproof Technology, Paint to Protect and or DC315. Take your pick on uh, what you want to call them because I think everybody listening to them refers to them as one of those three, if not all, all at the same time. Uh, IFTI is a manufacturer of the industry-leading DC315 Intimensic Coning. 15-minute thermal barrier and ignition barrier for fire protection of spray foam insulation. In addition, IFTI offers highly tested Firestop products, Intimessa paint, fire retardant paint, thermal barriers, and fire protective coatings. IFTI's products help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases over combustible substrates such as cables, wood, gypsum, and fabrics. Equally important, IFTI products were designed and tested for the global market and are fully listed and compliant to many international standards. Standards include NFPA, ASTM, UL, ULC, Intertech, and FM. And today, Travis, we have with us Gary Wolf, the Executive Vice President of IFTI, Brad Glazier, Technical Director, VP of Testing and Accreditation, and Nick McCartney, National Sales Director. Welcome, guys. Hey, fellas. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. I'm sorry. I'm, this is Gary Wolf. I'm having a little bit of problem with my video. I think it's on quarantine. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, in California, they really locked us down. Okay. Um, so, again, it's great to talk to all the IDI people and uh, share our, you know, anything that uh, they might have questions or any of your listeners might have questions about and tell us, tell you a little bit about our company. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. It's a, it's good to see you guys. Usually we've uh, bumped into each other a few times since uh, the first of the year. And uh, we were off to a good start with the uh, few regional meetings we did, but then it uh, took a hard stop. Yeah. And it was tough because we were actually going out to Boston. Yeah. And uh, we were, remember right, I mean, up to there, I think they were at the airport. Do I get on the plane? Do I not get on the plane? We're talking to Frank. He's right. like, cut out here. So what? Yeah. It's all fake. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, no, it's been tough, it's, but but still the business stays good, and, and we're happy with it for um, what's left out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Travis, you had something? I was just going to say, uh, did you inform them that they're sponsoring this uh, podcast? Or okay. is that something? Today's episode is brought to you by IFTI. <laughs> I'll tell you how much the sponsorship costs after the after the show. Yeah, just send us the address to send the check to us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mail's closed. Quarantine. You can't go to the bank. Sorry. Yeah, we can't go to the bank. <laughs> check for 2024, but we'll take care of So, Gary, is it true that you are the inventor of Atari? Uh, well, I was uh, actually the first salesman for Atari. I, I was uh, way back. I actually uh, owned a company uh, that uh, by the name of SOS. And we developed games uh, with EA and Activision. And uh, boy, I mean, it, it was not only for Atari, uh, but also ColecoVision and Television and Magnavox Odyssey. And uh, in fact, uh, I brought the, some of the first uh, computers in the United States, personal computers to be sold from 
So how the hell did that lead to fire protection? I didn't say I did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually, um, um, uh, I retired young and uh, I came back in because I was so fascinated with this product. Uh, You know, all kidding aside, they, they courted me for almost a year to come in and run the company and build it. And they told me there was a paint and it was just basically like a house paint. And you painted things. Well, finally, this true story, they they put little army men, you know, little green army men that we played with when, when we were yep. boys. And they p- dipped them into the paint and they put them out in on a warehouse floor and they took a blowtorch and would just try to melt those suckers, you know, and they just puff up into these big marshmallows. And lo and behold, if, it, if that didn't, first off, that became the way I presented the product. I used to bring, you know, they... That that's going to be my uh, my science experiment for homeschooling <laughs> this afternoon. I was going to do the Mentos and, and Coke in a in a PVC pipe, but I think we'll go blow some stuff up. It's funny because people are fascinated to, to you know, when when you have a fire. Uh, not that we like to see people have fires. Uh, that's what we're there for. But you know, everyone comes out in the neighborhood. I mean, you know, they they, they sit and they watch. We had a fire when we first started down in Alabama. A controlled fire. And uh, they actually brought out a, a popcorn truck and a hot dog truck. There was that many people gathered around to watch this house burn. Oh, jeez! You know, and, and we sat there and, and uh, uh, the room that we had painted with our product, they could not get to burn. So they had to actually bring eight wooden pallets in and soak them in kerosene and throw a match in the room. Then it burned. Wow. <laughs> and back into the windows blew out. But, um, yeah, it is. So uh, we, I got involved. Uh, yes, I was in the video game industry, and I came back, and um, uh, we launched the product uh, both in retail and in the marketplace. And it's been a long road since then. It's 16 years now. Um, I haven't gotten any older. Uh, but <laughs> 16 years of doing it and really being kind of, the well, we are the leader in the world on the technology. Yeah, without a doubt. And our mantra when we started, uh, you know, was that the proof is in the testing. And that's that's been the way we have uh, developed the, the line in the company. So before we get into the products and, and the differences and what customers should be looking at, I, I'd like to go kind of around the horn and just, you know, talk to Brad and Nick, how they got into it. Brad, you're, uh, you're from uh, Canada and you moved down to the States, eh? I am pretty interesting time to decide to move down to the States. That's for sure. So, so not only are you quarantined in your house, you're quarantined to the, to the state or the country, aren't you? I am quarantined beyond quarantine. Can't leave the country at the moment. Uh, you know, in, in, in the waiting game, limbo games for uh, residency status. So uh, yeah, it's been interesting times, definitely interesting times down here, but uh, no, happy, happy to be down here. Like it definitely better. Uh, rather be quarantined in 90 degree heat than uh, minus 90 degree uh, cold. Yeah. That's uh, what my wife so. is saying. She's, she's hating it right now. Cause <laughs> all of our friends in Louisiana are posting pictures of their quarantine out by their pool or on the boat and, you know, yeah. or three to five inches of snow. It seems like every day. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think I've got more of a tan now with the quarantine going on than I have in four years of working down here. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. So. How did you end up with, with Gary? Oh, God. I met this crazy guy. I picked him up on a hotel sidewalk one day in, uh, in Halifax. And, yeah, and I said, hey, there's this dude. Let's, let, me, let me see what he's up to. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, uh, I, I was in the, I, I come from the spray, spray foam background. So I, I started at probably 15, 16 years ago as a spray foam contractor and uh, slowly built that up into a specialty building products distribution uh, business. So got out of the contracting side and got more into uh, the supply side. So I'm about a very tiny, itty-bitty version of an IFDI, an IDI in, uh, in Canada. And through that, I was looking for solutions for uh, fire protection of foam and uh, kind of came across this company called IFDI and called them up one day. And uh, uh, that was kind of the beginning. I was still, uh, still running the other uh, business for a while. We got IFDI's products tested uh, in the Canadian market and, uh, then uh, I guess over a conversation and a beer one night with Gary, he said, well, why don't, why don't you just come and work for us? And that was uh, got six, 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 six and a half years ago now, something like that. So Seems longer. 
It, it does. I tell you, I, I don't know. You can tell up here, it seems a little longer. So yeah, that's why I'm wearing a hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm about to go in for the uh, quarantine uh, head shape for my daughter here in a few minutes after this. Uh, I told my daughter, I said, two more weeks. If I can't get a haircut by then, you can have at it and do whatever you want. <laughs> it's so true. How about you, Nick? I come from a background in sales, so I got into sales probably about 15, 16 years ago. Um, I originally started working with a window treatment manufacturer that kind of tailored to the multifamily industry. Um, I did that for about five years. Um, ended up getting picked up by another company that had more uh, material to offer. Um, just went out there and absolutely killed it, helped them develop three different territories. Um Decided that it was time to go off on my own, started my own supply company, tailoring to the multifamily uh, commercial markets, and did that for about three years and got a great opportunity to join the team here at IFTI with um, Brad and Gary and the rest of the team and decided to take the plunge and um, have not looking back since. So I've been on board for about a year now and learning a lot. I can definitely tell you that. Um, and everything's going great so far. Good, good. Well, <clears throat> you know, Gary, you said the, the proof is in the testing earlier. Let's talk a little bit about the, the testing of, of DC 315 and kind of what sets that apart. Well, a great question, Don. And it really, it, it has set us apart. And I got to be honest with you, a little bit of it was uh, my naiveness. I think I was in the industry for about nine years till I watched someone spray foam. Okay. Uh, I know nothing about, well, my job is to know about how to protect foam, not how to put it down. So when I came in, I said, listen, I'm going to get involved in this, but we're going to, we're going to have to test this thing and retest it and test it. And, and I want to find out what the foam industry does to protect themselves from liability. So that's where the proof of the testing came in because we found out that they didn't. Okay. That really at that time, there were a couple companies that had one test maybe, okay, and all the phone manufacturers uh, were clamoring to use it in spite of the fact that the code said they couldn't use it. And we like, well, okay, this is interesting. Why would I get involved in, a, in a building a company that has codes, IBC, IRC, you know, on I think we're in uh, 27 countries or something like that now. You know, everybody has different codes, but no one paid attention to it. So our mantra, the proof is in the testing, was to highly test the product. I worked with many different brands of foam, you know, just calling up for about 90 days and finding out about things like third-party validation of manufacturing, how to properly label your product, you know, how to reduce liability, how to do, how to do, how to do. So I said, okay, from this moment forward, which we hadn't done any testing, we will only test like we are a you know, billion dollar phone company and liability is our main concern. And it wasn't as much our liability because come on, if you use, if, if you're there to protect from a fire, fire always wins at the end of the day. I mean, we don't have like a 15 year fire barrier. We have a 15 minute fire barrier. So in doing that, we developed our line through testing and third party auditing and eventually went out and developed the AC 456 the current acceptance code for foam and coatings. And uh, I think we've ran somewhere north of 300 tests. We've tested every foam virtually in the world and to standards that are way beyond the 15 minutes. I think we have our stuff coming out in the next week or two. We just passed the NFP 285, the first legitimate one. Okay. What do you uh, mean by that? Well, again, Don, you know, it's one thing to say you pass a test and, I'll give you an example. There's company running around right now saying that they passed the test and they meet the intent of the codes. The only people that don't agree with them is the NFPA, okay, the life safety codes, the um, and, and UL, and most of the um, building science engineers in the industry. Because just because you pass the test doesn't mean you comply to codes, okay? And, and that's the kind of stuff, going back to the proof is in the testing, We've always made available, if you want to see any of my raw testing, you want to see testing notes, you want to see videos, you want, you know, and again, it's not good enough for, for uh, IFTI to have one validation. We go out and we get companies like Jensen Hughes and, and um, 
you know, UL and, 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 and on and on and on to revalidate our tests, to look at them from the very beginning, to attend our tests. So wait, I, I have a question. I want to interrupt you. You said just because you pass the test doesn't mean you meet code. Well, sure. You, you know, there, there's all kinds of examples. Like one of the hardest things is to keep in mind that a coding, okay, and there's other things too, but I'm more concerned about codings, obviously, with DC 315. And there is criteria in the, you know, in the International Building Code and International Residential Code and then in local code books and everything else. Okay, you have to you have to meet that code to be, you know, a compliant test. Okay, we are what's called an alternative. Okay, so we're an alternative to a thermal barrier. In order to do that, we have to show via the NFPA 286 test that we are as good as gypsum. Okay, and we do everything that gypsum gypsum does as a prescriptive, but we're not allowed to call ourselves prescriptive. We are an alternative. So there's there's my example, Don. If you if you read, and let's just say for the sake of this conversation, there's 11 criteria to being uh, being consistent as an option over a prescriptive, and we only meet three of them. We can't say that we meet the prescriptive code. Okay. So I can pass the test. I just have to omit eight of the things that are required, and it's so confusing. For code officials, no mind contractors, okay? And it legitimately is confusing because the code book is under a constant update, you know, constant update. Let me give you an example of that. In the 2018 NFPA Life Safety Codes, it clearly states the only way that you can use a coding or an alternative to a prescriptive, which again, is like our coding, okay? And leave it as the interior finish, okay? You have to run an NFPA 286 test, period. There are no other exceptions. Okay, so where's these other companies? Why don't they publish an NFP 286? Because they're not running it. Okay, so they play with the codes and they come back to contractors with confusing language. They point to a couple places in the code book and they go, oh, well, it's signed by the president of their company. It must be legitimate. And that's when the, that's when the crap gets the fan, when a fire marshal comes in and goes, "Hey, this isn't good." Travis, so Gary, for the listeners, what exactly is the NFPA two eighty five test? The Talk two, to us like we're third graders. Yes, yep. it's it's basically for the exterior buildings. Okay, so it allows you uh, options for, you know, different options for the foam industry. Besides yeah. using the prescriptive cladding, Brad, do you want to jump in on that a little bit? Yeah, and that one's that one's really a big. You know, it's become a bit of a well, more than a bit of a big deal. We've all seen these big fires in in Dubai. You know, going up the outsides of these buildings. We had the very devastating one in, in uh, the Grenfell Tower in London uh, a year and a half, two years ago now, uh, in which fire had actually started on the combustible cladding that they had had, had installed on this building. Um, so as we're getting into more architectural designs and finishes and we're steering away from, you know, the old school buildings that were brick and masonry and, you know, things that weren't combustible. Now we've got all of these different glazing and architectural and aluminum panels and composite panels, all of these different items that go on the outside of buildings. Well, now you don't have the fire protection that the brick or masonry would have provided so you've got to have some way of controlling the fire, being able to burn up the outsides of these buildings. Um, spray foam has been eliminated from, from competing in that marketplace for, for well, since really it, it, it came about. Uh, and the focus was more on things like rock wool, you know, non-combustible mineral fiber type insulation materials. Um, so now you're seeing more of a push to this, what we call continuous insulation systems where they're trying to get the insulation on the outside of the building because it's continuous. You know, you get far more efficiency out of that insulation instead of putting it between stud cavities on the inside of the building, uh, you go on the outside. Um, foams, obviously the best place for it is on the outside of a building. It's drainage plane, it's your vapor barrier, air barrier, insulation, everything's done in one, one step. So it's a very easy area for it. It just needed some ability to 
have some fire protection to it, then these architects could go and design these buildings with all of these different types of, of, of architectural designs and panels. So, um, so we spent a lot of time working on uh, it, the, the application, the test itself, and, and it's kind of what goes to Gary's point where the proof is in the testing. Well, I could just go and run the NFPA 285 fire test and say, hey, I passed the test. But what about... What about lifespan? What about moisture contact? What about freeze-thaw What about all of these conditions that you're now going to be exposed to in that application? We answer those questions. You know, we, we make sure when we're going to market with a product, we have all of those other questions answered. We're not saying, hey, we passed the fire test. You're good to go. You know, the fire test is only one small piece. And really, that's kind of where our work starts. It's like, hey, I... I I've proved my concept. I can pass the fire test part of this. Now am I suitable to be used in all of those applications? So are you saying not all coatings are equal? Oh, that's a well stated. Well stated. <laughs> I wonder if I got my cue card there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the text has been going on. You know, there, there, there is a huge difference there, Don. Let me tell you something. As, as a company, We've had years that 20, 25% of our business has been remediating jobs that misrepresented their products. You know, there's actually a company out there, the, the, the chapter is chapter 26 in the International Building Codes, 2603, that goes through all this technical crap. And they ran a test called a UBC 26 about, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. They actually put a letter out to the industry. It's still out there, you know, all over the country that, that, the international building codes were so impressed, they named the chapter after their test that they took, which, by the way, was not over home. It was over wood, and it failed. But don't mention those parts of it. But they actually today get do millions of dollars a year with their coding with that 25-year-old test over wood. Wow. Off a letter from the president of the company. Yeah. Signed it. Says, <laughs> Signed up good. In our opinion, our engineers believe it passed home because it passed wood. So, oh, and I don't have any engineers on staff, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, my little friend. What should the our, our listeners, when they're looking at a, for a coding, what's some of the key things other than, so, I mean, we talked earlier, just because you pass the test doesn't mean you meet code. What what should they be asking and what should they be looking for to make sure that, that it does? That they're not going to be, if something bad does happen, God forbid, a fire or whatever, a loss of life, that they're not going to be held liable for liable. Yeah. Yeah. It's substandard. Go, go, go ahead. I, let, let me just throw a little quick on that. And then that's a great question for Brad. But, you know, I just want to say it really goes back to the proof is in the testing. We give you not only one, we give you two, we give you third party sign off. You don't get anything necessarily from us that says, you know, hey, we're the best and the greatest and all, you know, despite what we might say in a call like this. You know, we want, you know, basically when we go in front of fire marshals and we do that all the time, sometimes two, three, four hundred at a time. And we'll get up on stage and say, hey, listen, everything that I'm going to tell you today is a lie. Okay. And they just go, what? Well, <laughs> it is unless I give you a document at the end. Okay. A third party, you know, that meets the current codes that you can go back to and prove that we actually did what we said. So just a little bit of homework done and they'll never get burnt. Most of the time, they're no low, and we, and we don't understand it because a coating might be $5 cheaper a gallon, $10 cheaper a gallon. It just doesn't have testing. That's the only difference. If somebody dies, you're going to jail. Yeah. You're responsible for all the lives that are, you know, they're going to force you to pull the foam off the job and redo it at your nickel. But you did save $10 a gallon. It just doesn't make sense. Gary, why why is third party testing not required? Why can you just do the test and say that you passed it? Yeah, you can't, Travis. That's the point. Okay. So one thing to be suspicious of is letters from the company that say they meet the criteria. Okay, but they won't show you. Okay, so simple things that you do. I want to see a copy of your test. Well, the, the, the we don't have to show you that. We have an evaluation report. Great. And I want a letter signed by the, you know, evaluation of the report, like from Intertech or, you know, I am, whoever it is. I want something from them signed that says that you comply and meet to the codes, not just an evaluation report, 
Well, and not just a test either. You know, I mean, there's test facilities out there that they're 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 in a business of, of fire testing stuff. So I can go to a fire lab and say, "Hey, I want to run this test." You run the test, you get a data report back from it. Doesn't mean that it was actually certified. Doesn't mean that it was validated. Doesn't mean that any of the coding was third party sampled. Like when we do a test, that third party comes in, witnesses the production of our our coding. Are we producing that coding the same way as the pail that we send out the door? I was just going to say, and just because they had it tested doesn't mean it passed the test either. No. You, you could say, I, t- I, I tested it. Yeah, I tested it. Hey, I ran this test. And without providing a report, you don't know what the results of that test actually were. And, and we see it a lot of times where guys are accepting a data sheet that says, hey, I'm a one-hour paint. Well, one-hour paint on what? Is it on steel? Is it on wood? Is it on gypsum? What is, you can't just say I'm a one-hour paint. Uh, you're, you're always dealing with the assembly that you've, you've tested over. So, you know, running a test is able to be done. Meeting code requires all of these other steps where you've got the third-party validation. They witness the test. They watch you put the coding on. They measure the amount of coding that's on there. You know, you get these other ones where sample was submitted directly by the client to the lab. Well, there's no oversight over that. You don't know how thick the coding was put on. You don't know what pure time. You don't know any details on it. It's just, hey, they, they sent us this. We, we expose it to fire and here's what it did. Are all your, uh, are all your reports and letters and all that stuff uh, available at paint to protect.com paint to protect.com buddy. We got everything up there. Third party listing reports. Uh, we actually have our, what we call our matrix, which has kind of become the industry standard for like to your question earlier, how does a contractor know or what do they ask for? We have up on our website, the matrix, which is, uh, essentially a spreadsheet of all of our testing. Uh, so it lists every phone that we've tested. Uh, you know, it's not just manufacturer. We have to test each manufacturer's individual phone, low density, high density, whether it's closed cell, open cells, all. We test each and every one of those assemblies. We list the thickness of the phone that can be installed. We list the thickness of the coating that has to be applied over it. And then we list the third-party evaluation reports for both our coating and the foam all on that table. So it's a very easy spot to go in and the code official wants to verify that it meets. Boom, they can go, fine, I'm spraying, you know, Carlisle Seal Type Pro. Uh, and I put right, Well, they're hot linked to their site, right? Brad? Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, like, different right to our competition, we link directly to sites. So if any anyone listening to us today, if they want us to create a custom matrix for them, for their website or for their salespeople, okay, don't, again, don't trust me, okay? We ask people, the proof is in the testing, go to the source. It's easy. It's one click away, okay? If they can't give you a document that they can click into the NFPA and say that they're certified to do this, or then, you know, it, it, it's, it's obvious. And unfortunately, because of the virus, you know, not only having to be quarantined home, but we were just starting with IDI and, and all kidding aside, we were going to get all the IDIs this, this year. Okay. Frank was the first one and we were going to be answering that question. It was our whole purpose of being out. And again, we had thousands and thousands of fire contra- uh, fire chiefs and fire engineers and building inspectors who wanted us to come in and answer that question because that question is why the code books have changed so much in the last couple of years, trying to make it easier for the contractor. So, if I was to sum that in a simple response, it'd be pick up the you phone. You can't do that, Gary. You can't make it simple. Yeah. <laughs> pick up the phone, call the manufacturer, okay, and ask them the tough questions, which, again, we supply on our website, you know, with a report that was done by Jensen Hughes that clearly states here is why if you don't use IFTI DC-15, the largest in a fire um, consultant company in the world, the most prestigious who works for the Fortune 100 companies will be represented by IFTI in court because you're in violation of the rules. It's a tough thing to answer, but just stick to the obvious. Sure. Instinctively know when someone's lying to you. So we've talked a little bit about the codes and, and kind of what to look for and what sets it apart. How about the application? You guys... You guys do still have the certified applicator training? 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a real problem. Nick, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's a great course that we designed uh, specifically to go over the proper installation and documentation on any projects when you're using DC-315. Um, and what it does is it separates you from other contractors um, when you're going into a project and when you're looking to get, uh, you know, a pass from a code official, it just shows the documentation and that you've gone or undergone the training and the proper procedures when applying the product. Um, and the best recommendation, I get phone calls all, on it all the time, is to provide the documentation in your bid package when you're submitting your bids, especially if you're, you're combating with other contractors and you're getting underbid. When you're supplying the documentation on the front side um, for these proposals and you're supplying all the documentation in the application procedures, the evaluation reports, um, the code references, it definitely separates you from any of the other contractors that are not providing the correct information or providing the information on thermal barriers and what the purpose is and the complete documentation of it. Um, that and that's what the officials are really looking for. What was that, Don? What's that? Is it, is it required by you guys to well, take that course? Well, no, we strongly recommend it. We can't get it into the building codes. We're close. Okay. Okay, but we have thousands of applicators. And, and let, me, let me answer, you know, tie all this together in a quick loop with the, what we call our Certified Applicator Program, or CAP. Number one, in Canada, you can't use a coding without taking our test. It is in their codes. Okay, so the United States is looking at that going, how did you guys get this in the code? Pretty easy. The proof is in the testing. Okay, and then we, again, sat down. Again, it's a federal bureau up there. And set. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pull a piece of paper out, third party, and show you that what I'm telling you is the truth. Okay, just ask other people to do that. Number two, okay, the certified applicator gets the job. I don't care if you're more money, okay, or not. And we know a little bit about fire and fire testing. I mean, we've done it all over the world, have spent tens of millions of dollars doing testing, okay, and fire. And if your kid's life is only worth $10 a gallon, I think you should probably get divorced. All right. Because <laughs> don't have you know, kids. You're, you're obviously not putting much respect to it. Number three, the certified applicator is the one who gets the job approved without an audit. Ask ask the competitors how many times, especially in the East Coast, that the building inspector demands a third party <laughs> inspection because he doesn't trust your documentation. That's why, again, 25% of our work is remediating jobs done by competitors. It hurts when an IDI contractor calls us or anybody. You know, I even hurts when the competition calls us and said, we got caught, you know, and then they want us to break the law. That's how messed up it is. They want us to falsify documents to allow them to stay there. Okay, and then lastly, okay, and, and maybe the most importantly, the reason you're spending $10 or trying to less a gallon on an untested product thinking you're saving money is all the wrong reasons. And if you invest 20 minutes to our online certified application program, you will be smart and smart wins bids, not price. Yeah. Well, and it kind of tag teams with everything that we push, which is training, training, and more training. You know, the, the better knowledge. See, I did a good base. job. I taught you guys how to do it. <laughs> So just to kind of to, to kind of follow up on, on my next question is, you know, we've talked about the product, we've talked about the testing, we've talked about the certified applicator. What what would you say is a, a preferred or recommended equipment package to you, to apply your product? Brad, go ahead and handle that one. All right. Uh, you know, airless spray, obviously you can, you know, you can use brush or roller or any standard painting, you know, methods to do it. But an airless spray package is, is really the ultimate, you know, setup to have for applying the coating. It's fast, it's efficient, you know, you're going to have a better film evenness over it using, using a spray head. Um, you know, the product itself is designed to be applied in one coat. To do that, you obviously have to be a little bit heavier bodied than, the, you know, some of the traditional house paints because you got to get, you know, a film built on there. And we, we, we keep labor in mind. I don't want to have a guy going in and having to do two, three coats to get the film built up. We go with one coat, so they're in, bang it off in one coat and they can move on to the next project. So to do that, you're going to need a little bit of a, you know, a little bit bigger sprayer than, than maybe general house ones would. Um, so a Graco, you know, 795 would kind of be a minimum size for guys that are 
just using it on a periodic, you know, case by case. Maybe they've got some small basement projects, something like that. Uh, the Graco 795 is an ideal size for that. Um, tip sizes would be uh, 517 to 519 uh, on a tip size. Um, if you're into something that's a little more, you know, higher volume usage, say you're doing some large Quonset hut buildings, parking garages, you get up in that 10, 20,000 square foot area, you're going to want to step up into a minimum 1095 uh, size, if not even a 1595 or a Mark IV. Um, those ones are just designed for heavier body products like ours. Uh, they're able to push them efficiently without burning out your motors on your equipment. So you can downsize, go for a cheaper unit, but if you get into high volume work, you're just going to ruin the machine because it's going to be just struggling to keep up with you on a day by day. And bigger ones, you know, obviously with a bigger machine, you can go to a little bit bigger of a tip. Uh, we always caution the guys don't go too big. You know, usually the, the, the one of the main issues we actually see in the field is guys over applying our product. Uh, that's usually because they're worried about a code official coming in, you know, nitpick and say, Hey, do I have enough? And you know, that, then goes back even further to our certified applicator program on how do you document you've got enough. I was just going to ask, so there. How, do you, yeah. how do you help stop the guys from applying too much? What can they do to training? Yeah, I mean, that's covered in that certified applicator program along yeah. with all the documentation, the forms to leave, where you sign off to give to the inspector who comes in, hanging tags by the, by the electric panel. Okay. What do you and mean hanging of, tags? Yeah. And, and we have, we have labels, labels that you can use. Job site yeah. labels. Yeah. And a contractor who comes in, or excuse me, a code official comes in, you know, they've been doing this a long time. I mean, these guys are older than you, Don. And uh, yeah, they they come in there and they, they know if someone puts for look, I mean, this isn't this isn't rocket science. Okay. If you look at your kids, those of you who have kids, and you see the work that they did on a project, you know they deserve an A by the effort they put in. And you know that they actually did it. They didn't wait till the last minute and just copy it off a Google search. So that if you put this front side effort, you know, we have a presentation that we did at the SBFA show on certified applicators. And it talks about this whole thing. The proof is in the testing. And then we expand it. The proof is also in you. Okay. If you're afraid that somebody is $300 cheaper than you because of the coding, you're probably in the wrong industry. Okay. Because you don't understand that that coding saving you money when you apply it, okay, with with the results that you get, I'm sure that all the people listening to this call today, okay, understand that the code official comes in and goes, oh, you use DC-315? Rubber stamp. Where's your certified applicator? Well, I don't have one. Well, you better get one, then I'll sign off on the job. So it all ties back to this, this you know, ongoing thing about the proof is in the testing and the proof is in the yeah. efforts that you put in sure. to do a good job. Yeah, well, that, that documentation is key. You know, a building inspector walks into a job site. What's he looking at? He looks at the wall and he sees white paint. You know, that's yeah. what he's seeing. It's not, a, it's not a factory fabricated product that has certification labels, has all this information on it. It's white paint, you know? So yeah. he walks into a job. How is he going to know what's been done, how thick, which product? You know, all of those questions are going to be tested. So yeah. you're a certified applicator. You've got your certificate. You've got the documentation. You've got your proof of, of applied thickness on the coating. You've got a label up on the job site. That says, this is who I am. This is the product I installed. Call me with questions. That inspector is going to walk in there, and now he knows. He knows what's been done. The paperwork is there. The documentation is there. So right. he's able to connect his dots. I mean, they, they got to have the support when they file a, you know, a building as, as passing the inspection, they got to have the documentation to support why they're approving sure. that project. And so having all those things together up front, inspector walks in and he's just going, wow, you know, these guys got it dialed in. They're doing it right. You're going to save yourself way more grief. And in particular, you're going to get paid faster. Because the project's going to get passed. The inspector's going to, if they run into the homeowner and say, hey, look, these guys really did a good job on your home. What do you think's going to get paid first? Those guys. You know, the inspector says, I got it. You guys suck. You know, they didn't do this right. I don't know what they've done here. What's that going to do to your customer? It's going to put doubt in their mind right away. And all of a sudden, 
you're going to be on the bottom end of the person who's going to get paid for that project because they've lost that, that, uh, confidence and, 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 you know, comfort level with you at that point. So it all, you know, ties back into profitability for the contractors. What we're always after, you know, how do you, how do you make money? How do you be profitable? How do you get paid fast? How do you do it right? And do, while you're doing that, you're going to be more expensive than the guys that aren't including Cody's in the first place. So don't, don't let, don't be scared of that. You know, don't be worried that, that well, my bid's going to come in higher. Highlight that fact. Why is it higher? Because I care. You know, this is life safety. This is fire. I'm, I'm not going to go in and say, well, yeah, I told you that this may catch on fire. It might be a hazard. You're aware of it. So I'm going to leave now and say, you know, you should maybe do something with that. And that happens all the time as guys just want to go in and spray the foam, walk away and say that they've had a homeowner sign off on, on that. They they're aware that it should be a protected sure. fire. Uh, so highlighting that, putting it up front, you know, using your certified applicator, I'm certified for this. I make sure I follow the codes. I make sure I only use compliant products. Yes. I might be a couple hundred dollars higher than the next person, but your house is going to be safe. It's going to be done right. And it's going to be compliant and it's going to pass the pass the inspection. You're not going to yeah. be late. So Ken, uh, Ken, it sounds like a no brainer. It seems like uh, if I'm a contractor and I'm bidding some of these jobs and it's not DC 315, I might as well hang on to that job. Cause I'm going to get a call back anyway. Absolutely. Well, well, right. Right. And, and the thing yeah. is, you know, if you have your own house painted, let's just talk about outside painting. Okay. Some, some company comes over and says, Hey, there's $3,000 to paint your house. And everyone else is forty five hundred to five thousand. You know there are certain people that are going to take the three thousand. Yeah, it's going to look like that. You know they fail to mention that they're going to paint your your plants. You know and your electric boxes, <laughs> your, dog, your car, your windows, your dog, your kids. Okay, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, windows. windows. Okay, but there were three thousand dollars. Okay, and so when a company, you know, when uh, putting foam up on a job is not inexpensive. Okay. A couple hundred dollars, and an IDI knows this more than any other customer we have in the country. If that's going to make or break somebody's job, you know, we're that, then we're in the wrong profession because we actively market when we go out the door and say, just so there's no confusion, we're the most expensive coding on the market today. Yeah. Okay. Now, you notice that I, I didn't pull up, you know, in a Testarossa like Don does. Okay, you know, I pulled up, pulled up in a Chevette. It's a matchbox, Gary. <laughs> I'm not making 500% margin on our product. We're making a fair product, and here's our testing. You know, and, and again, I'm going to harp on it just a little bit. One more thing is that I talk about proof is in the testing, Travis, right? Yep. And, and I want you to get your arms around that. You find another company that spent $30,000 proving what Brad just said by getting third-party independent testing on spraying overhead, putting up drip cloths, okay, running time-lapse photography with black felt on the ground, okay? We're one coat. We're what's called variable viscosity. I'm not going to get into that. That's for another day. But we are thicker. We force you to spend a little bit more money on a better sprayer on the front side. Now, let's just talk about intelligence, okay? If you can't figure out applying one coat at 14 mils, Okay, is cheaper than applying two coats at seven mils each, then you're in the wrong business. Okay, you're just in the wrong business. It explains why you lose jobs. So it's that professionalism on the front side to be able to bring that package in to show that person. Why do people say, well, I don't want to spend that money on a coating in my house? Because you haven't shown them anything. You're there more worried about having to spend an extra couple thousand dollars to put a coating on. Yeah. Then don't make the decision for your customer. You know, yeah. and that's yeah, how guys are going in there saying, I don't want to include this because I yeah. may not win a bit. You, you've made that decision for your customer right. already. Right. So instead of picking up the, the competitor's bid from the person, saying, well, how could they be that much cheaper? Oh, I see they didn't tell you about life safety. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And just say, look, okay, I'm not going to spray your job. If that's the way you want to go on this, I'm not going to be responsible. What's going to happen in your home, right? Happen in your home or whatever. You know, you got to play that the right way. But again, just a little bit of follow up on that. Yeah. So, Thanks, Gary. Uh, you know, we've covered DC three fifteen. Before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about the uh, DC three sixty. You guys mentioned in the beginning. Just a quick rundown on that. 
Well, the 360 is a new product for wood and gypsum. And the, the big thing on it, you know, we're just finishing up. Currently, it's an inexpensive product, much cheaper. Okay, in fact, the cheapest in the market that we know of. That's a good thing. Okay. Secondly, it's industry leading. The spread rates for the Class A, the commercial work. You know, there's um, there's a virus going around. I don't know if you guys know about it. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? What? Um, and and what's happening out there is uh, there's this guy named Donald Trump. He's a president. Who's that? Okay, and he's and he's approving yeah, two point four billion dollars in an infrastructure bill, so that you guys can put up more foam than you've ever dreamed in your life. Going to be a couple requirements. Okay, and one of those requirements is going to be life safety over the wood during construction. A lot of residential, commercial, a lot of wood, a lot of wood, a lot of wood. Okay. And again, when we get jobs on that, it's not rare for us to get a, an order for 500, 1,000, 1,500 gallons per job. But they have a job starting every week. So it's huge usage. Okay. It's extremely easy to apply. That one you can't apply with the low end sprayer. Travis, you want to add something? Yeah, I just wanted to basically just kind of step back. So you're saying the DC 360 is basically framing stage in, in, a, in a house. Yeah, framing stage, and then and then it's tested all the way up. One of the things that's happening is fire codes change throughout the U.S. I was talking about, like, you know, the NFPA 101 life safety codes, which is basically smoke and stuff. So a building sells out in um, Des Moines, Iowa, you know, commercial townhouses or something. And when they built those back in the 80s, they only needed a 30-minute separation between units. Now they need an hour. So you got a choice, Travis. You can pull all the gypsum off, move all the electrical outlets, all the light switches, and redo it with five acids gypsum. You know, two sheets. You know, to get your your rating. Right. Or you put these three hundred and sixty on. You know, at a cost of a very cheap. Okay, just spray it down, and paint over the top of your inside collar, and you're done. You meet the codes. So, yeah, so you've got to you got to market and retrofit and new construction. So retrofit especially is a big one for it, where you've got these chains of uses, you know, a residential and a retail, residential above a, a commercial, you know, first floor. Right. You have to have hourly separation between them. A lot of it is is rehab of older buildings or repurposing buildings, regentrification of different areas. Well, how do you get those fire ratings in some of these archaic building materials that have been used? Well. Now, instead of having to rip it all off and replace it, you can actually go in with a coating and get the fire resistance rating up on those coatings. What about on, on, those, uh, on those products? What about on new construction where they don't finish the basement? Uh, not as much in the residential basement side, but but new construction uh, multifamily wood frame, so that four-story, six-story, and under wood frame multi-unit. A lot of those buildings you know, they're wood, obviously, for one. They still have to have fire rating in them because you've got multiple families in there. Single family, you usually don't have so much fire rating because it's just you, right? Gotcha. It's, okay. it's, you know, it's multi-units designed, hey, if I mess up in my unit, it's not going to get over and burn over, you know, the, the unit over beside me. Sure. Um, so attic spaces, you know, attic fires are one of the worst, uh, well, most susceptible areas, really, in buildings. We see that particularly in California with wildfires going up into yeah. the attics. Uh, so they now require sprinkler protection up in attics. Well, if you're in an area where you've got some freezing temperatures, you've now got this, you know, an added cost of having this sprinkler system put in. You have to freeze protect it. You have to do all these things. There's a big cost to it. You can go in and put DC 360 up over all the wood in that attic, and you can qualify it as an exemption for not requiring the sprinkler. So it's an alternative so, to a sprinkler. System. Exactly. You can use it as an alternative. And in that, I mean, that's where our biggest usage, when you get these thousand gallon orders going out, it's a multi-unit building. Developers looking at that saying, hey, I can save, you know, 150 grand not having to put in this sprinkler system. And I'm going to put in, you know, just pick a number, say 20 grand to put a coating up. Well, hey, no brainer. You know, I'm going to go after that. And 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 I, I think in the end, sprinklers are, sprinklers are a good addition to fire safety. They should not be the... Uh, right, only, the only option. Answer, the only option for fire safety. You want to look at what can I do to stop the fire from starting? What can I do to stop it from spreading so that you never get to the point where sprinklers would be needed? Right. Um, that's really where we try to fit in is, is what can we do to, to reduce the potential of a fire 
reduce the impact of that fire, allow people to get out in a timely manner if there is a fire, and then obviously reduce the damage to the building. So your retrofit work is is, is less, less, less. And that less. last thing that Brad said is really important, Don, to, uh, to answer that question on, on, or maybe it was Travis, a new construction, you know, you drive down the road and, and uh, you're looking around, you see these new, new wood construction of condominiums and strip malls and stuff. And in the construction stage, there is, if you go to a bidding system, you'll see in there for, for what's called class A coating, okay, which is basically one of the things we are with 360. And they want every piece of wood treated during the building because they don't want it to burn down. How many times have you heard of somebody welding and they take down a whole building in, in wood? So it's a very inexpensive way for them to get through the, the uh, framing section. Sounds like we have to do another podcast just on 360. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we covered a lot today, guys. That was that was good. It was um very informative. I think I think the proof is in the testing. Hey. Somebody said that on hey. this podcast. Yeah, this podcast, Aaliyah is asking you when you came to work for Gary. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you learn that you learn that learn that line. You learn how to get the attention of homeowners. You know, and, and yeah. we, we again we tell people in that cap program, guys. That you know, and lead up, lead with that. The proof right. is in the testing. Yeah. Now going in with a foam that has no certification to see how far. Yeah. So why should the coating? Nobody's ever died from putting R twenty six up instead of R thirty. Okay? Right. We put the wrong coating up, and it's a bad situation. Yeah. Not only for you, for IDI and the foam industry. Oh, It's not blow what we've spent so much time and money to perfect. Yeah. Right. Well, guys, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, guys. Be well. Wash your hands. Please feel free. Anybody listening, don't ever hesitate to call us because we will take your call and we will assist you uh, in in getting work. Yeah, and and go to paint. Yeah, and feel free to. That's right. And all the documentation, information um, that we talked about is all on paint2protect.com. So feel free to check it out. The certified applicator training program, the job work records, job site labels, um, the testing matrix. It's probably the most user-friendly tool with just a couple clicks of the button. You can download all the spread rates, coverage rates, evaluation reports, email it to a code official customer um, in just a few seconds. So and you can do it all just from that testing matrix. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.